0: Hey, listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up to date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is The Run Through. I'm Cher Ardee. And I'm Chloe Mel. And it is that time of year. Oh, yes, it is. The most important and exciting
1: time of year around here. I feel like it's like a Christmas carol.
0: I know. (laughs) It's the most wonderful (laughs) time.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's a September issue, guys, if you didn't already know.
0: (laughs) So we wanted to talk to the woman who has made so many iconic September issues, the Wizard of Oz of September issues, uh, our boss, Anna Wintour. We sat down in her office at uh, Vogue headquarters in the World Trade Center, and we wanted to chat with Anna about everything from her earliest fashion memories to how her father influenced her work ethic and... uh, what her grandkids call her, which I was surprised and delighted by. And of course, about the making of this year's incredible September issue.
1: But of course, we started off by asking her about why the September issue is so important about the making of this year's September issue, which of course had all the supers on it, all your faves, Linda, Christy, Naomi and Cindy.
0: No last names needed. No, No none. last name needed for Anna either. No. Not on this podcast. No, anyways. no.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, well, obviously the cover is always the most exciting thing for any issue, but particularly for the September issue and working very, very closely with our colleagues, and particularly uh, a British Vogue, and particularly Edward Enifel who, who uh, is uh, the Deputy uh, Global Editorial Director of Vogue in Europe and Editor-in-Chief of British Vogue. We were very, very intrigued to hear about the Apple documentary starring four of our favorite supermodels. Our, what we have on the cover line is the greatest of all time, Linda, Christy, Naomi, uh, and Cindy. And so those are the four great uh, models on the cover photographed by young talent, Raphael Pavarotti. And between them, I believe just in American Vogue alone, they have over 42 or 43 covers. Wow. I think this will be their 43rd cover. I think it's the first one where they've all appeared uh, together, although they did do a similar cover way back in the 90s uh, with Peter Lindbergh. And I think we were all very, very intrigued by the interest in the 90s, both from designers and a, a, a documentary that we ourselves at Condé Nast are working on, like what the 90s meant to fashion. And I'm not sure if either of you saw the 1997 Exhibition that was on. Didn't in I, Paris. I? wasn't no. able to catch it while it was on, but I heard it. That yes. It was incredible. It was really reinforced, I think, seeing it uh, that that was such a pivotal moment in fashion. It was an exhibition about 1997, where, you know, so many designers were discovered. It was when Nicola Gaskier first went to Balenciaga. It was, you know, also the scene of great tragedy. We lost not only Princess Diana, we lost uh, Johnny Versace. But I think if we look back at the 90s, it was, I think it was when models really captured the public imagination in a way that was unlike anything we had seen before, So it felt right since Apple were doing this marvelous documentary that we would pay tribute to them because they've been so much part of our history for so long. We also thought it might be timely to revisit a couple of uh, celebrities, uh, artists that we had featured in the magazine before. And Who of course, are some examples of that? Well, one is the uh, young actor, Josh O'Connor, whom we all, I think, came to our attention first with the film, that Name Is Going to Escape Me, that was set in Yorkshire. Well, it was God's Own Country, which was the Yorkshire equivalent of Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> um, uh, where, in which Josh, I think, was truly extraordinary. And I think it's where he caught the attention of people like Stephen Daldry, but... Uh, He captured most people's uh, attention when he played the young Prince Charles in The Crown. And he is appearing, we don't know when yet, in in many movies. But the one that we were intrigued was, was Challengers, of course, for me, because it was a film about tennis with Zendaya (laughs) and the young actor uh, Mike Feist. And he's remarkable in it. Even learnt under the guidance of Brad Gilbert to play tennis. And then Zadie Smith, who's been in in the magazine and been with us um, many times. Why is the September issue such an important issue? Well, I think it's a combination of uh, our history that September has always been the most important month I think it was amplified by the the documentary that was made uh, many years ago, the September issue. I think there's an excitement around that time of the year, uh, fall close, uh, by nature, maybe more more to look at, more to photograph, more to take videos of, more to talk about on podcasts uh, <laughs> than, than the spring collections, as wonderful as they can be. I think there's just a sense of everything starting over, When I think back to when I first started working at Vogue and was thinking about my first September issue, which actually had Naomi Campbell on the cover, I think I was a little bit naive in understanding the importance of that issue because to me, Naomi was the model of the moment and I had absolutely no hesitation at that time in putting her on the cover or choosing her to be our cover star. But there was a sort of um, peculiar ritual that you had to go through back then when you would present... Uh, the issue to uh, the number of executives, all of whom were men. And they were quite surprised, and I think not a little um, nervous about the idea of having Naomi on that cover. But to me, there was absolutely no doubt. So it's a, a nice moment to have a back on the September issue in the company of, you know, great friends and collaborators for her and for us over many years. And, of course, September now is is not just print. It's so many other things, as, as you both Vogue know. Vogue world. Yes. Video yeah. and, and digital and podcasts, podcasts and yes. everything else that yeah. makes up content in Vogue today. But, of course, you're absolutely right. Choma was super excited about our second Vogue World, which is going to take place in, in the UK. And um, I think after the success of Vogue World here in New York, we wanted to live up to its name and start to take it around the world. And we were very anxious to support the performing arts in the UK because they have had such uh, devastating government cuts so it will take place in a theatre. And it will be a tribute to theater, musicals, uh, opera, dance, and everything else in between. And of course, fashion under the, under the guidance and directorship of the great Stephen Daldry. And the net proceeds go to? Yes, all the ticket sales and also um, many very, very generous donations that have also been given to us. They will all go to support different arts communities. That's super exciting.
0: Anna, what's your first fashion memory? Well, I
2: grew up in London at a time where, you know, fashion was breaking out in a way that it hadn't before. And it became much more democratic and fun. It was, you know, the late 60s, early 70s and... I think that what were you wearing were you wearing many dresses? I'm sure I was. Uh, <laughs> but I think that it was a breaking down of class barriers and 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 people mixing much more and not just being sort of boxed into into a certain way of life which I think was certainly the the case in in the 50s and and a little bit in the 60s. So I think it was a time of of great freedom and a breaking down of barriers so that obviously was amplified by what people were wearing and also the music and film and and culture all coming together. So it was a super exciting time. I'm not sure that I have a first fashion memory, but I certainly have a memory of everything being much more open. I mean, when I was you know, a very young girl. I, I, I lived in a situation where you got dressed for dinner and women would leave the table after wow. the, the main, main. So the fact that that was all being thrown out the window was you know, obviously great relief to me <laughs> and I'm sure to many.
1: <gasps> You've been to so many fashion shows. Uh, can you remember the first fashion show that had you on the edge
2: of your seat, goosebump style? Fashion shows are I like going to the movies. It's always about, or reading a book, it's about who's telling you the best story. And it's so interesting to me how the designers in London who managed to make incredible shows with no money. and It's the way they produced uh, content for so many years with, with, with no money. They seem able to do it in a way. They could go bankrupt the next week, but they somehow manage to tell stories and to create an atmosphere and electricity around the work that they're doing in a way that is also, as we were talking about the the 60s and the 70s, very free. And maybe they don't have the weight of a corporation or um, a P&L sort of weighing so heavily on their shoulders that they have that sense of freedom and exuberance that is always quite, quite remarkable. So I wouldn't want to pick one. Shoma, there've been so many, but I do always think that the English designers have a sense of storytelling. If you think about the great, late, great Alexander McQueen or John Galliano or, you know, some of the younger designers working in, in London today. They, 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 they tell a story in a way that I think is, is very enchanting. Mm, agreed.
0: Anna, what are you excited about fashion wise for fall? What is the mood of fashion right now? Are there any, have you purchased any clothes yourself that you're excited to wear? <laughs> Um, I'm not that organised. I haven't got that
2: far. Um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to wear to Vogue World. But um, I'm thinking maybe something gold. I like the fact that it's quite dressed and it's quite '90s. The way that uh, Edward showed in the brilliant portfolio that he did with all the the four girls. I love the evening story that we shot at the Pullman, uh, the Pullman Center. Uh, We also have an homage, we're back to British designers again, but uh, Gab went to uh, Japan for a wonderful story that was what we were calling glamorous punk, but really I think in all of our minds we were thinking about uh, the great Vivian Westwood who who sadly left us this, this past year and it was really a tribute to her style and her activism and a sense of breaking down barriers that we were talking about before and... Her belief in her causes and her extraordinary energy and belief in everything that she did. And I think that tribute uh, in the streets of Tokyo is, is is such a fun vogue storytelling moment.
0: The run through will be back in just a moment. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under, category like fragrances and handbags, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like beats, headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung Smart TVs, and more. Go to Macy's.com slash giftfinder to shop. That's Macy's.com slash giftfinder today. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand? I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and in luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And I am curious what your schedule is like. You're so legendarily a workhorse, and what is what is Monday morning?
2: Well, I'm just an early morning person, uh, Chloe. I, I'm not someone that stays up late and goes to the after parties. So I do think <laughs> it's a very helpful time for me to figure out the day, the week, the month. Uh, I look online at all the British newspapers. I read the New York Times. I read the Wall Street Journal. If this all any,
0: online, no print,
2: no print. Uh-huh. And if there's any any calls that I need to make to uh, any of our global colleagues, that's a great calm moment to do that. I go to the gym. I walk through Washington Square Park, which is always an interesting experience. <laughs> and uh, I try and be here, be in the office by 8, eight eight fifteen to to start my day. So,
0: what time do you actually wake up?
2: A <laughs> uh, quarter to five.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: <gasps> that's impressive.
0: And I'm curious, I always have been amazed at your attention to detail, and especially now as your role has gotten more and more global. Mm-hmm. I still find that you will read every caption mm-hmm. in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Is there a lesson to be learned from that is there do you ever feel like you wish you were less focused on the details because it's overwhelming or is i think i, I
2: growing up with a with a father that that worked in in news and seeing his excitement and his energy around breaking news and breaking stories. I think that fed into me a great love of journalism and following a story and creating a story that I feel very lucky to have had and to have experienced, you know, throughout my life, really. It's its not a world that I've ever not had in my life. And I think that's what drives you, what channels caring and passion and hopefully that uh, influences the people that you're working with.
0: I was listening to an interview, you talking about your father on on the way here this morning, and I was wondering if you had to describe to your father today or he saw how different media is, mm. how, what do you think he would be most surprised by or what would be the biggest change from 50 years ago or 60 years ago? Well, you know, obviously
2: his life was and his career was very much around print newspapers but you have to remember Chloe when he was working there were as much as eight to nine editions a day oh my god yes so it was just a non (laughs) non non-stop print 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 of these different the racing edition the morning edition Uh, you know, the midnight, uh, uh, you know, so it was just endless. So I, I think the volume, it may have been more concentrated in one area, but it was just as big. And I think he would have been, as we all are so excited by what media has become and how you can reach so much, so, so much bigger audience than you could when you were just a print publication. So I I think he would have been thrilled, excited, and ready to start the day probably at four o'clock in the morning. So,
0: <laughs> so You're a night owl compared yeah. to him.
2: <laughs> no, he would leave very early. He would leave
1: at six in the morning. Wow. 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 Um, can you tell us what pre-release and final release meetings are and why they're important and what happens in them
2: yeah it's it, it's when you release the the print publication uh, to the printers it's, it's sort of an archaic name but we stay with a lot of archaic names and it's it's when we're all the editors gather in a room and and look at the Uh, Issues and decide if the captions are wrong or the headline (laughs) is wrong or if there's something that needs a little bit more work or whether we want to take something in or out or change a headline, whatever it may be. But it's an important moment when we all come together and and look at the work, and we do it twice, uh, hopefully also to look for mistakes or um, something. Like right now we're in the situation where we're, Having to wrestle with what the SAG strike means mm. for uh, for all of us, and making sure there's disclaimers on on pieces around any actors that were promoting very, completely within within the guidelines at the time um, a, a, a film that may or may not be coming out now, and making sure that we're protecting them as as we should.
0: Anna, as you know, the podcast is called the Run Through, yes. and I was wondering if you—I feel like people are very intrigued by what a run through is—and yes. we we're wondering if you could just. Well, describe I can tell that. you about
2: my first experience with a Vogue run through. He was before <laughs> I had the job that I'm in right now, and I was creative director of Vogue, and I was invited to a run through in the editor, the then editor in chief's office, which was far larger than the, the office that we're sitting in now, and every single editor sat around the office in a small chair for six hours the whole oh day. Oh, my God. And what? models would come in, um, and we would all look at them and make comments. And that was how a run-through was operated. Wow. So uh, that was one thing when I was lucky enough to be given the position that I'm in right now that I thought I could speed up.
1: <laughs> so how, how long is the average run-through now?
2: Um, Shorter than six
1: hours, that's for sure. (laughs) So we didn't really get into detail in the interview, but a run-through is basically a a run-through of the clothing that goes into every single shoot editorial. So the stylist and all the sittings editor, you know, present all of these looks to Anna and they'll decide which will be shot.
0: Um, Anna, what's the best thing about getting older?
2: Well, I think it gives you patience. I I think you learn that in the end everything will be fine and you just need to think about things calmly and rationally and and try and come out making the right decision. Um, And I guess there's not much left to surprise you. (laughs) (laughs) You're very passionate about uh, the philanthropic work that you
1: do. Yes. Mm-hmm. You fundraise for the Met. You also do a lot of work with God's Love We Deliver and the Youth Anxiety
2: Center. Can you tell us about the Youth Anxiety Center and how you got involved and why it's an important issue for you? Yeah, I mean, I think mental health among young people is something I became more and more aware of as my own children grew up. And uh, realizing that there was just not enough support for young people at a very fragile moment of their lives when they may look grown up and adult, but in fact, they're they're kids. So it was very important to me personally and to many people close to me that we do something about that. And out of that, the Youth Anxiety Center was born in connection with Columbia and uh, Cornell and to help young people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, and even, unfortunately, suicidal tendencies. And this has been, I think, amplified by by the pandemic. You know, it's really quite alarming to see how the numbers have spiked post, post-pandemic. Mm. But also incredibly encouraging to see how much more open
0: people are to be talking about it. And I was wondering... Um if you would just tell us about your summer vacation, what are you going to do after the temperature comes out to sort of relax a bit?
2: Um, well, what am I going to do? I have, um, very lucky to have a garden that I love and I spend a lot of time in, in the garden and I spend a lot of time playing tennis. Nice, fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and can we just ask you what your grandkids call you?
2: dog Really? Yes, I have a lot of dogs.
0: (laughs) They call you dog? Uh Oh my gosh, how fabulous.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. All right, thank 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 you, you, Anna.
0: That's it for this episode of The Run Through. The Run Through of Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis, Gabe Quiroga, and Kevin Burasa and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon, bye. Hi guys, I'm Celeste and I'm here with Jade and Emily and we are so excited to announce our new show, After Hours. We're three female founders who became friends through, well, trauma bonding over entrepreneurship. These days we come together after work to discuss the highs, lows, and hilarious moments we all experience as we build our companies in our 20s as first time founders. We're dishing advice, spelling secrets we wish we knew so you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, oversharing in the best ways, giving our legal teams anxiety, and peeling back the curtains behind startup life. So close your computers, we know it's hard, and pour yourself a glass of something because After Hours is now in session.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support. It meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you.